is Tuesday, the 5th of April, 2022, and this is episode 410 of Digital Outbox. Welcome along to another episode. I'm Chris and joined by Ian as ever. Hello, Ian. Even Chris, we've been doing this for 12 years and still every time somebody reads out the episode number and the date, I, I look at my watch and make sure it's right. Even though I typed it in like 10 minutes ago. I check little... it just before reading out, which is why yeah. I am the presenting and you are not. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm not sure where that came from. Welcome to another week. We're doing a midweek podcast, which is actually quite rare at the moment. But uh, why are we uh, doing yeah, a midweek podcast, Chris? Uh, because ah, you're listening to the new voice of Caterham Live Motorsport, and I am at Brands Hatch this weekend, and was <laughs> out last weekend as well. So yeah, it was very, very DJ smashy that you went into me, and I was quite Indeed. impressed with that. <laughs> I'm working on it. I've been working on it. <laughs> <laughs> so am I going to have to listen back to old podcasts and see when the switch, what's the transition took place? Yeah, definitely. It's going to it's gonna be good. But yeah, we'll talk about that when it's all in the can and out the door so I can see whether it's any worth uh, anyone else listening let's, back to it. Let, let's put a pin in that and we'll move on to some actual <laughs> tech news. <laughs> so some random number news. Mark Zuckerberg has is going to come into... Uh, so, well, come, I'm saying random words that don't make any sense. He is going to bring NFTs to Instagram. I can't Instagram's... wait to listen to, to your commentary <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> He is going to bring NFTs to Instagram very soon. He's not saying how he's going to use them, what the implementation is going to be or what in the heck they are even for as far as Instagram goes, but he's bringing them there. Um, and this will be, I'm sure, a first stab into non-fungible tokens for the metaverse, as it were. Um, ultimately, NFTs are a proof of ownership of something or some. Uh, or or some non thing if it's a digital product, uh, all it is is a ledger that proves ownership, and uh, they're going to bring that somehow into the Instagram world. I think just as pretty much all of the initial NFT hype has died away, and people have realised it's a little bit of a pyramid scheme, um, I think uh, they're they're jumping on board now because they can see benefits for when they do want to sell their Hugo Boss merchandise in the metaverse. It's just another pivot into. You know, making Instagram what it never was. Instagram was a great place to share photos and a really happy, you know, positive platform. And it's just got worse and worse and worse with video, adverts, and now NFTs. Thanks, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> you can almost track uh, social media's down downturn, especially when they start adjusting the algorithm that turns it from just date-based stream to... Uh, you know, interaction-based surfacing of content because it <clears throat> that automatically surfaces all the kind of uh, the, the 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 one that causes most friction. So the two extremist views or whatever. So from left and right, for example. Anyway, that was just a sidetrack. But yeah, NFTs coming to Instagram, but probably also coming to other metaverse-type products. I think, I think we're uh, going to see it everywhere. I know it was at Ubisoft. We're trying to do it in games and it get kind of kicked out. And somebody else was talking about doing it in, in games and get kicked out. It just feels an inevitability that it will um, seep into our culture in so many different places where it's not required. So many dodgy as well. I mean, it's, it is a little... Footballers. No. All the footballers that are doing their NFT schemes. I think John Terry did one. And people were buying, I think it was their lost almost like 90% of their value within the first 10 days. The problem is all the people that were going to make money out of it pretty much have jumped on and made money out of it. They've got some success stories, but there's so many failures in the background and all of them run on pretty shaky foundations. And, and people realizing when they dig into the technology that it's not really what they think it is. Um, so... Yeah, so definitely something to learn. But equally, the UK Treasury is going to um, uh, have uh, it's going to regulate some of the cryptocurrencies, and they're going to also um, release their own um, NFT, I believe, the Royal Mint to create non fungible tokens. Um, uh, I guess I guess something as solid and stable as a, a a Royal Mint maybe has some more clout in that NFT market. I can maybe see you know, people potentially using that for more solid grounds of, you know, 
confirmation of contract ownership or other things but who who knows how they're going to use it i haven't said it again they're just i think spinning out some they want to attract that market to the uk and get the the money that's sloshing around in there at the moment but uh, like i say it's all a little bit up in the air as to exactly what how and why they're using it in the moment yeah and it's and, and they're specifically talking about stable coins so separate to things like bitcoin and some of the real um you know high energy you know coins that are not really doing our world and our planet any good they're mm. trying to turn it into the there's probably benefit around um and america are already doing um um some work so they're used in the so the united states sort of using some of the stable coins already um to facilitate trading so i think it's it's i think for any you know for a market that sees itself as a financial leader i don't think they can be ignored but it's it's picking the sensible ones out of the you know the just the mess that is cryptocurrency i i as for the royal mint but don't get it it just yep. feels like a total tick box exercise and a bit of a vanity project for um, it just says probably the right things to yeah. yeah maybe some financial input yeah I, you're right it doesn't it doesn't make t- total sense because they haven't released full details yet but but the stable coins yeah but considering they're based on a regulated market already i guess it makes exp- sense for them to extend it to be a regulated c- a coin currency but even then i've i've heard plenty of counter arguments to say that they're, they're still pointless and they're still a pyramid scheme that should be avoided at all costs the, 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 be, the best bit that summed it up for me was a quote from this UK Financial Services Minister, John Glenn. Um, UK saw enormous potential in crypto and had a detailed plan for harnessing the potential of blockchain and supporting development of our world's best crypto ecosystem. And you're thinking, oh, detailed plan. Then he says, what does the future of crypto here in the UK look like? No one knows. So, <laughs> good, good, good job. They do seem to have got confused between detailed plan and no plan. They've they've kind of proved that a number of times recently, haven't they? That yeah. if they say they've got a detailed plan until you ask to see their detailed plan, and then they no longer have a detailed plan. And, and, whether it and the plan, or... the plan seems to be, um, come come and bring your money here, come and bring your tech jobs here. We think there's a future, but we don't know what it is, so we don't want yeah. to be left behind. Yeah, we'll have your money sit here, but we don't know what's going to go on. But yeah, maybe not Russian for for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh uk has introduced an exhaustive online safety bill this has been a story that has been going on for i guess nearly a decade now we've been talking about this i can't remember exactly when it started um but it's, it's certainly a long time ago where they were originally going to bring out uh, a safety bill that they, they scrapped it because of implementation and uh you know the ambition above actual technology um, um but it's it's sort of remained bubbling in the background and now it's come forward again in new legislation and i i think the probably the environment and society in general is read more ready to accept something they feel they i think there is uh, acceptance that something needs to be done whether it is this um bill and whether it's a bit too far reaching and certainly it has got privacy and uh, data implications around it um and ultimately it does allow the government to censor the internet which is an uncomfortable position because they have tried doing things like this before and approved untrustworthy um so yeah but ultimately this will be uh, the, the aim uh, of the bill is to allow you know the the censoring of you know things like well to coin a phrase, dick pics and things like that to stop them or make them criminal activities finable to um, to re- be able to remove content to stop children accessing pornographic websites and content and, and a number of other, well, lots of other different areas. It's kind of, it is very far reaching, right? It's, it's hugely far reaching. Um, I think the, uh, I think probably the, the, the biggest probably ding against it is the realisation that it gives power to Ofcom and also to somebody like Nadine Dorries, who from day to day lurches from one of their take decisions to another. Um, so can, you know, and it's back to should politicians be in, in charge? So I get that politicians are, you know, they've been voted in, they set the rules of the land, blah, 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 blah. But, but some of the decisions are now starting to make. So the, the additions, the recent additions to the bill, which which... I mean, you you covered it right. It kind of kicked off probably ten years ago, but then it's been through so many different names, and we've tried to do it and it's failed. And so yet again, we've now got pornography websites to verify users' ages, which I think they've had three goes at. 
and, yeah. and, and they just fought. they have the technology doesn't <clears throat> exist and they and they there's no way of enforcing it that's the problem they've got whilst they want to enforce it they there's no way they can um without essentially being a a, a russia or a china and and controlling every single person's internet feed into their house which again like i say they've they've had or tried schemes like that in the past and have been provable provably have blocked sites that they shouldn't do um based on the remit that they were given um yes so it's um and and, and again it's about it's about the, it's called an online safety bill i think it was originally about um yeah an online harms white paper was originally what they, talk, they talked about and it was all around um you know, protecting people from being harmed online. <clears throat> and this is slightly different. So one of the things is giving people the right to appeal if they feel their social media posts were removed unfairly. And that feels more, again, probably appealing to some of the right-wing parts of the UK that have been censored, almost shut down, you know, they've been deplatformed. Um, and I think, in most cases, quite rightly, because the stuff that were coming out was just rubbish. It's just... You know, yeah, it's, but it's, I mean, the reason you get deep platformed is when you uh, say provably false statements yeah, and make provably them false or fact. yeah, or hate speech. You know, some of it was just mm. hate speech, but dressed up in a way to try and wriggle round the it isn't really, and it's like no, it was. But they're also trying to cover up things like fake news websites as well. So it's kind of all it's coming from all angles here. Um, so it is it is around how do we how do we force um, social media platforms to protect us from that information and when they're the only people that can really do that it's their platforms have been engineered in such a way that this this all gets a voice and gets equal playing field with everything else so how do we do this but i guess one of the uncomfortable things is that it does put that social media or the the it puts the onus on the social media platform to do that regulation and i guess in a similar way to we have in journalism that they must um be sure of their data in their sources to be able to publish something otherwise they get uh, fined so it is adding that we've seen this coming for a long time i i personally i think the yeah the the general public are ready for a, a safety bill but <clears throat> they haven't yet proved that they know how to implement it they're pretty much doing what they always do which is make a number of sweeping statements and then believe that technology and technologists can make it happen for them when actually what they're probably asking for is technology that doesn't exist yet and therefore it'll be botched and it will be put together in such a way like an excel file that it runs out of cells in the <laughs> technology equivalent of it, well, it reminds me of the <clears throat> was it the kind of the after Brexit and you had to there was the the you had your checker that worked on Android but it didn't work on Apple and it was Apple's fault they had to change the technology and it's like but you could change your approach no yeah and and they, there was a stand change. there was a standoff and Apple didn't change yeah. because Apple yeah. said there are good privacy reasons why we do it this way it's to stop you scraping a whole ton of data which hey your predecessors did yeah yeah. Um, yeah. And also, so Jim Killock, Open Rights Group Executive Director, and I think, you know, probably what we're aligning ourselves to here as well, the fact the bill keeps changing its content after four years of debate should tell everyone that it's a mess and likely to be a bit of disappointment in practice. It's, it's, it's almost it's a... too, I was going to say, it's almost too much in it. They've, they've put yeah, so they, much definitely. into it. Sh sh split it out. A number of different you can tell things. it's 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 yeah it's it's organization by committee and you can tell that yeah it's trying to do too many things for too many um you know pieces and also it's a technology area that mps traditionally are not tech savvy enough to understand all the ins and outs of what they're asking for and therefore they can't really balance off between what is the art of the possible versus the art of the impossible they see it as this magic box of tricks that they can just say things and it magically pops out but it's it's not it's not the case you have to you know the why apple and other big technology firms are so clever and careful is because they they know their environment and they know how and what they can do and what it's not even worth attempting so yeah elon musk has uh, just been buying up twitter um uh, shares and he's managed to accumulate 9.2 percent stake in twitter so that's uh, that's a pretty strong, bold move. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and the share price went up 20-odd percent as well. And he's now on the board. So they've announced he's on the board today. So so quite, quite the week. So from being Thomas. nothing to do with Twitter, he's now <laughs> a massive shareholder and on a board. Wow. Um, yeah. That's 
quite a big move. But it's he's also sort of put out some tweets recently asking, do we need a new platform? Do we need to do this? Is this really a free speech you know, environment? And is that what we want? So he's clearly going to not be a passive board member, I would suggest. And it sounds like he's got ideas. He obviously uses the Twitter platform quite often to inflate his own blooming, um, you know, cryptocurrency forms and things like that and certainly is not shy of some controversy on there so um i wonder what direction he will take twitter he's not one for uh say sitting back in the background is he no and um as you say it's, it's a bit trump like in the way he'll use that platform he uses it really well you know he's and and i think there's days you can tell that he's clearly on drugs or he's not slept in the last three days because he comes out <laughs> allegedly with allegedly a... <laughs> please don't <laughs> <laughs> we've already slagged off the government but i can accept that but i think uh, elon musk could probably destroy us <laughs> probably um but but there's there's just certain times you're like you know for for somebody of his position running a running you know multiple you know very influential companies he'll come out with something that's like are you manipulating the stock market right now are you manipulating your cryptocurrency right now um so yeah um but yep yeah, he's um he's got the money he's got a seat Got a seat in the board. Let's we'll see, see whether, yeah, yeah, and see whether it takes Twitter in a, a strong positive direction. <laughs> if we get an edit button in the first nine months of his of his new reign, <laughs> then we'll we'll know where the true power is. So on to a hacking news uh, now, and we're going to start with about a month ago. So we heard reports that Okta, who are a uh, uh, so two months ago, we heard reports that Okta are oh, two. I don't know. Weeks. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're trying to tell weeks. me. Should we start this story weeks. again? No, because that means I need to edit it. So we're just going yeah, to okay. have to roll with it. <laughs> so yeah, two weeks ago we heard that Okta had been uh, hacked, um, and yeah, Okta is a single sign-on identity provider used by thousands and thousands of uh, companies, and therefore hundreds and hundreds of thousands of users probably into the millions of users and uh yeah so one of those an identity provider beginning hacked is is pretty big serious news um and octa say is one of the bigger ones uh they sort of initially said um yeah we may have had some activity but nothing particularly bad's happened and then a little bit later they came forward and said actually we have had some problems but it's a very low percentage of our customers um, but no one knows quite how many actual user accounts um, were affected. And it's, uh, it's like I say, not a good look. And um, they, they, yeah, I mean, 2.5% of what is what we don't know. Uh, yeah. So and I think it probably takes a lot of lesson to when when you see a press release, actually read the press release. Um, uh, pretty embarrassing. I mean, it's, uh, when this broke... Um, it was one of these things. It was like this could be as big as like kind of solar winds hack that happened last year, and the kind of the the repercussions that then ripple through the whole industry because it's your a bit of your supply chain. It's you know what could this impact? Um, and the actual press release finally said two point five percent of its estimated fifteen thousand customers were potentially affected. Didn't tell you who. Didn't tell you if you were. Recommended resetting your passwords if you change your password in the last two months. Um, and and it was we, we we talked about it just before we started this. It was a bit of social engineering, so they got into um, basically a laptop of a support engineer who had a password file, um, which was unprotected, and then used that password file to then start breaking into other things. If you look at what they actually, because it was it was leaked as to how the hacking group, which is this lapsus team, had done it, and the guys were when they got on, they were just using Bing search engine to say how would they go and do this, and then they were doing it. It was it was pretty straightforward stuff. It was amazing when you see it. So I was going to build the story a little bit before bringing in the hacking group, but Microsoft oh, about <laughs> uh, I think about a week later came forward and said they were uh, they were also <coughs> um, affected by a hack, and I think they were that, affected. That's why by you're the host, Chris. He says interrupting the host in midfall. So they were so yeah. Microsoft confirmed that they had also seen some uh, activity on their network, and and eventually, yeah, it turned out that it was this Lapsus um, hacking group uh, behind it. So there's a spate of of hacking uh, situations, all kind of stemming from that original um, yeah Okta hack 
which didn't happen, then did happen, then happened to only a few people, but we don't really know how many people got affected by it. Yet Microsoft were affected and um, they, they said that they were able to protect their networks because of like, ongoing monitoring or whatever. But nevertheless, there was still uh, data that was exposed. And yeah, and then we've since seen that it turns out this massive international hacking firm is essentially a group of a small number of quite young teenagers um, who are sitting there, like you say, on their computers, uh, Googling or binging what they need to do and then using that information to get around and get into systems. And then quite, I guess, intelligently using that data because ultimately they have amassed quite a lot of cash, um, but they have since been found and have been uh, apprehended and, and now I will be charged with um, several well, several counts of uh, you know uh, of hacking and, and entering places they shouldn't be, which is a serious, obviously, crime in the UK, federal crime in the US, and and no doubt other people will have uh, a say about where they will be charged. But these are sixteen and seventeen year olds. Uh, yeah, so that's the main one they've arrested and accused was a guy from Oxford, sixteen year old, and he's got a fourteen million dollar like fortune that he's sitting on, which is it's just boggling. Alleged. Alleged. It's just, it's, it's every time I speak tonight, we're going to have this alleged thrown in afterwards. I just Thanks. feel that you're on one, so I need to protect you from yourself. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, that is again why you're the host. <laughs> Seven people between 16 and 21 have been arrested uh, in connection with the group so far. And mum and dads of the, the main hacker uh, have come forward and said, <clears throat> we just thought he was playing games. <laughs> <laughs> it's all games fault. It, it, yeah. But it does make, as I said, it's it's worth it's worth seeking out if you look into the original what was leaked around Okta and around the kind of how they got in initially, and then the kind of the Bing searches that were found that they were doing. It looks pretty rudimentary stuff. Um, I'm not I'm not denying these guys are evil geniuses and you know managing to get into what they got into, but it's amazing just how it, it looks quite straightforward. So just to like that, so they wore tracky bottoms and tracksuits into court effectively <laughs> so they're clearly quite chilled about these official uh these official proceedings and i think one did say they have they've some of the identities are not able to be released because of uh, you know support and special uh needs potentially there as well so you know don't want to speculate on that but it's it's clearly people who love the skill of uh, of hacking mm. but have, have actually taken it to the next level of actually succeeding in a number of big uh hacks and they will probably have to uh they certainly will have an adjusted life from now on i imagine after the proceedings have completed uh, yeah i'm trying to remember the name of the you know, a scottish hacker who was he not they not hacking the u.s government and it was almost yeah, I can't he saw remember. it. He got, they were trying to get extradited, wasn't he? But he yeah, but he saw yeah. it as that the thrill wasn't getting the data and looking at somewhere. It was the it was the thrill of the chase of getting in, in the first place. And yeah. and you know they just had that mindset, the mentality that that's what he was chasing down. Not. I mean, no, these people understand computers money. and computing better than we ever will. They're all, you know, it's it's like a. You know, it's a different breed of and a different generation again. So we've lived with computers all our life, but we haven't lived with this all-pervasive internet. And the 16, 70 year olds absolutely have that, and they've been sort of drawn into this. And also the tooling that exists now, the you know that you can just Google everything and and find out how to do some pretty advanced techniques and stuff. And clearly enough that it gets around security, which is kind of worrying. But a lot of it nowadays is this social engineering. It's not. It's not all about you know cracking an actual system architecture it's just about finding the weakest link which is generally speaking nowadays humans um so yeah we as well as the uk and its privacy laws we're seeing the eu double down on its um, antitrust legislation against sort of big tech firms um and essentially wanting to take all these empires that exist oftentimes large uh, u.s companies and breaking out and making sure they are modular so that smaller companies can come and compete so the they're, they're talking about being able to break out payment platforms and app stores and um you know and anytime you're presenting data you know they, they want to be able to 
unlock those smaller chunks of data and allow people to or people to select what they'd like to use so if for example you're using uh, an apple platform they want to be able to say i want you to be able to pay with a different provider i want to be able to select what assistant i use on my phone i want to be able to select what search engine that i go to we've seen some movement in this direction and the general overall direction of this is going to happen <clears throat> but it sounds like the European Union is going to use their power and their might to really crack down on this and start fining people uh, for not complying um, with it. So there are interoperability, so some sort of way, way of making sure that data can flow between different platforms, the right to uninstall, so the ability to get rid of yourself and the data of or whatever, data access, so people can get hold of their data or companies can work with that data to offer different services, advertising transparency, end of self-preferencing and app store. So that's people like Google not being able to put their products above in search engines deliberately uh, and app store requirements. So the ability to have different app stores or that sideload pr uh, products onto platforms. So all of that sounds great from a customer point of view in a, or sorry, from a small business point of view. I'm not sure it's so great from a customer experience point of view, certainly in the short term until that's all nailed down and uh, worked out. So good, good point you made at the end that this is a proposal that is being fully supported. It's yet to be finalised and checked, um, but they expect that that will come into force this October and all tech firms will be given um, from that point a staggered timeline to support these changes from three months to four years, depending upon the complexity of the integration requested. And it's I mean, you mentioned interoperability, so it's it's allowing WhatsApp to speak to iMessage. It's allowing, you know, iMessage to speak to Facebook Messenger. And that kind of interoperability does take a long time. Each of them have got platform independent things that are unique to those, you know, don't go into the whole blue and green, you know, bubbles on, on iMessage and, you know, why is iMessage not available on Android and all that good stuff. But that's a, that's a you know, just that on its own would be huge. But then, you know, you're talking about sideloading on iOS. You know, you're talking about the, um, and if you don't support sideloading, not only that, but if you, if I'm on your app store, then I'll use my own payment system. Thanks very much, Apple. You know, so some real fundamental changes um, that have passed. I mean, I think Europe's now so big, I don't think any of these platform owners could turn around and say, fine, we won't sell the iPhone in Europe. You know, because that's sell... the choice ultimately if they yeah. want to operate in europe they have to do it i mean what one of the one of the rulings goes as far as to say or the, one of the parts of this this document goes as far as to say we will break up companies if we need to but obviously they can only do that for european companies um and they can't necessarily you know so they don't have that reach but the reach they do have is the fact that they've got a populace that spends an awful lot of money with these services and if that's re removed or taken away then it is a big chunk of uh of cash for america now you might see some social media firms or social platforms or these big companies say oh, well we just we won't we will we will try and stand our ground but i think in the long term they will have to accept that this is the general direction it's very much the amazon api model of of software engineering isn't it it's the everything should be modularized made tiny and then the best performing one it sounds like a real nice panacea of this programming paradigm which is you just make little chunks of things that everyone can put together however they like however the realities can get pretty messy and it doesn't necessarily make it any better for the consumer uh, overall they sometimes just want that slick you know the reason that apple products are so popular is because they are just slick and i've recently bought the new ipad um which i was going to mention later but i'll mention it now when you come to that platform you can tell that everything has been verified people have taken a little bit of extra time and polish everything is just operates nicely and because it's such a controlled platform you know it works just you know it just works it does but um you try playing mario kart on an emulator sorry um, and I think that's where, and that's one that's always highlighted that they've, you know, they've always banned emulation as a thing. Whereas if you look at the grunt that's in your iPad that you just bought, it would be an absolute beast for, you know, if you wanted to do something like emulation or you wanted. But to oftentimes do that's because it's illegal, you know, it's uh, a fundamental level. It's it's semi yes, semi no. If you could prove, and I, I mean, I've used that as one example. There's a number of things where you just can't do on a platform that mm. you should be able to do easily. Yeah. It's, you know, whether it's you know it's it's not illegal. Um, I just I just think there's 
and clearly, so you know, some articles then flowed on from this saying, you know, that Apple would be allowed to, you know, allow side loading, allow third party app stores, you know, so the likes of Epic, you know, the guy was just like, woohoo, finally, this is this is this is a fantastic. We're seeing step. some movement, yeah. Yeah, um, Apple themselves are like, well, hold on. Um, yeah, some provision on of DMA will create unnecessary privacy and security vulnerabilities for our users, while others will prohibit us from charging for IP in which we invest a great deal. And certainly the a total understanding of hitting the privacy and security vulnerabilities, but again, you should be able to set up a, an API to allow you to do that interoperability. Um, I get maybe some of the concern around, you know, if you did side loading, is it going to allow vulnerabilities on your platform? I'm using a Mac. I've been able to install anything on the platform for years. It's using the same underlying hardware that the that the iOS devices now use. So, you know, you've got an M1 chip driven Mac. I'm about to have one tomorrow. Happy days. Um it's it's you know yes and no because ultimately um, they also control the software i know that you can sideload and whatever but it's there's still an element of control there but yeah i i totally get it i'm with a, you there's an element of a control but but there's no there's nothing to stop me going to microsoft and buying an app and downloading it no. um, but with what, an ios what, i cannot do that but are you not worried that it will destroy what you love about Apple, say, for, because they are that ecosystem that lives on its own? Do you, are you not worried that this destroys something that you love about it? I don't, I don't, I don't think it'll they destroy. Clearly so, <laughs> so they, well, they clearly are because no matter what, and, and I think Google clearly as well, because no matter what these stores are charged, or sorry, what these tech owners are charged with around the world, they're getting their thirty percent or their twenty-seven percent, or what you know, but they will get their money no matter what. And I think that's been something that the services money is clearly something that the whole industry is is now you know pivoting to that they want service revenue, and they want that steady stream. Um, and I, I've always been surprised that Apple haven't said right. I get thirty percent day one, and I get why that was you know you looked at a console model and that makes sense, but the behemoth that you then became and the amount of money you're generating off the platform, they've never actually demonstrated openly and again they're a business they don't have to but they've never demonstrated openly that the 30 percent actually is a realistic value it feels more like 15 percent 10 percent would be a realistic value for being on that platform it, or cam- it, like, it must be a calculated value these accountants and these yep. firms don't live or, without it or, being known or, or let it be a competition you know so let let other stores stand up in your platform so if epic wants to launch their own store and you could set up a set of APIs on your platform that they still have to comply with from a security perspective. So you can, you know, the code still has to be verified. We won't allow you access to do X, Y, and Z, but you can stand up your own store and your own payment method. And if you want to charge 10% Epic, fill your boots. Just how resistant, how much money is flowing around is shown by the fact that um, in the Netherlands, Apple do uh, do not comply. They had an antitrust ruling against them. And rather than make the changes they are required to make uh, to their platform, they are suffering a 5 million euro fine every single week uh, so that they don't, or whilst they don't change their platform. And they are happy at the moment to absorb that 5 million euros every I week. Think I think they're on their 10th week now. So, so, uh, and so, so it just shows how much cash is flowing around that they are not willing or it's cost too much to make the changes or they're, they're balancing act at the moment. So they're definitely standing their ground, but it's, say, it's serious amounts of cash. It's unbelievable amounts of cash that flow around. And, and, and what will be interesting around that Dutch case is the whole point of the European Union was, yes, you, you know, big company might be able to bully one company, you know, like, like Holland, but take it to a European level. Will you really bully a European Union and say, right, um, you know, if the EU turn around and say comply or you're not allowed to do X, will they turn around and go, we're not complying, we're protecting our world by revenue, we're pulling out of Europe? Can't I just can't see it because it feels such a big market to not engage with. So. I think they might posture it though, uh, you know, and they're well, and they are because, they're, because ultimately, and ultimately, they've got such a user base that people would yep. be up in arms about it as well. If they've just bought their new iPhone and then suddenly they're told, oh, all the service is being turned off. Um, it'll be, then, it'll be yeah. interesting. So I think the, t- the the more technical user base, so probably like the likes of me and you, I think we see, you know, the if it was done right, the damage wouldn't be there. Um, if it was done wrongly, so if Apple said, right, here's what you're going to lose as part of us doing all these controls and changes, but there's a right way and a wrong way of doing it. It's let's be honest, it is back to revenue. Apple are, you know, like any business, but they're 
they are definitely, how do we get our money from this? I, I just think it's gone too far. I don't think, you know, sideloading, for example, or reducing that percentage, you know, would cause a big issue. I think the interoperability around messaging apps feels like a, that's a bit of a wow statement for me. Has that really been a big thing that is stopping other people joining a market? I, I don't see it. If you uh, want to use yeah, WhatsApp or Telegram yeah. or any of these other apps, just go and use them. What's but equally, we saw people like Twitter shut down access to things like Tweetbot or, you know, left, left the unfettered access. And that was disappointing yeah. at the time. And they, we've seen more things like that, as in people protectioning, protecting their own IP and, and messaging platforms. Whereas, is there anything really to stop someone coming along and saying, well, I can do a better WhatsApp uh, front end than WhatsApp have done. And, and why can't I? It's whether it can all be demonstrated that they can do it safely. And again, if the company invests in right, the, the right API, and I think that's why the second bit of Apple's statement around, uh, I'm just going back to it, prohibit us from charging for IP in which we invest a great deal. I've not heard that used as an argument as much from Apple. It's always been about privacy and security. They've always focused on the actual user. And I think this is them now as a company going, hold on. You're now hurting us as a company and and the, the amount of you know development that we do, um, and I I do wonder if we will see this turn into an, you know a more global debate of you're targeting American companies here Europe. This isn't about uh, competition. that's you're, exactly what they're doing. You're yeah. targeting American firms who, for whatever reason in Europe, and again there's a huge argument that will bring up around how many American companies have just bought any competition anyway. So if something does bubble up from Europe, it's just bought. I mean, and that's what they're trying to avoid. That's what they're trying to adjust. And they know that these big hoovers are hoovering everything up and they don't have any control over it. So that is the, one of the reasons they're doing it. Um, we have had this week or recently a, yeah, this week, a Plex update. So Plex users rejoice. But this isn't interesting across all of the sort of tech news, as it were. This is a, a kind of they've got now a, a consolidation service where they are bringing together all the content or at least a search for content across all of the kind of or many of the the main streaming providers so that you can get access to or see and get uh, directed towards content across everywhere all at once we're seeing several attempts to do this in various different places but it seems like plex have hit that sweet spot of being small enough to not uh, become too much of a threat to some other companies. And they have got, uh, I, th I think you said, was it all of the main streaming providers on board to deliver a catalogue of their content, which allows people to search for it? Um, yeah. So I and I, what triggered when I saw this initially was when Apple TV came out three years ago with an update and they said, we want to be the front end to all your TV streaming. So you can, if you fire up an Apple TV, you can see like what's on your Plex library. You can see what's on Apple TV and it gives you BBC iPlayer and it gives you Amazon. It doesn't give you Netflix because Netflix says, mm, no thanks. You don't yeah, need we'd to, like you to don't protect our content. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at what Plex are doing, I think, yeah, so you've got Amazon Prime, Apple TV+, Disney+, HBO Max, Hulu, Netflix, all the big ones are there. And I think they said they'd done something like there's like 400 odd services, mostly American, that they've got in there. So it'll be interesting to see how it actually looks. Um, so it's, yeah. So today's LaunchPlex is more than 450 services indexed for search on a global basis. So it'll be interesting to see how that actually looks for UK perspectives. But I, I just thought the time of this was really sweet because um, I, I was just talking to one of my colleagues at work today around this problem of there's too much content. Um, and, and the cost, so one thing is the cost. So if you go back to, always reminds me of the football model where football started, or not football, but sport in general. You know, EU, you must split the content. Sky, you're too powerful. It just costs the consumer more. If you look at the whole, and it's always talking about, you know, um, cable cutting, and it's not really cutting the cable because we've all got an internet connection in the house now, and that's where the whole content's coming from. But it's trying to, well, you don't want, you know, that big Sky platform that you're paying 60 to 100 quid a month. You're just Disney. Just give us a fiver and you'll have really the, the best content. And then Apple, like, well, we'll have some of that. Give us a fiver. And but all the fivers have turned into tens and twelves. Um, and yeah. they all add up as well. So, and Sky's still wanting their money. And Sky's trying to be that aggregator, but doesn't have everything. Apple's tried it, doesn't have everything. It looks like little plucky plex have actually come out with a service where. You can tie up all your services, 
you've got a universal search. So if you know you recommended a, a documentary to me, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, and I think we both were Googling for a few minutes, not long, but a few minutes to go, was that Netflix? Was that an Amazon? Has yeah. it gone from Netflix? Yeah, exactly. Do you now that, need to yeah. go and buy it? Um, and this feels like the, wow, I can just fire up. So the whole message from Plex is, Plex used to be your home media content, and they're trying to pivot a bit. They've got an ad-supported set of movies now, which is getting bigger and bigger, and that's actually generating them more money than a Plex Pass. But they're trying to say, don't just fire up Plex when it's your once a week movie time, or you've you know you've acquired some content. You know you've bought a you've bought a Blu-ray and you've ripped it so it's on your NAS, because that's what we that. all do. <laughs> but I'll, I'll show you my Blu-ray drive. Um, I, I do actually. Have oh God, one. I can't protect you from yourself. You're off on one tonight, <laughs> allegedly. 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 I don't think on I your am. NAS. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the. But the, what Plex want to be is you fire it up every day, and that's your that's where you open up. So not only have they got the universal search, they've got the whole discovery bit as well to say, "Were you aware of this? Do you know this new thing's launched here? Do you know that all these things are coming at you?" But and we also, have been we've been crying out for that, but absolutely. it doesn't stop you still having to have paid tons of money to loads of different places no. now. Uh, no. You know, rather than one because we are in the break great breakup at the moment, right? We are everything is splitting into its constituent parts. At some point, someone like a Plex will say, well, we'll do it as one big subscription bundle that gets you to all these products. I mean, it probably won't be Plex because it won't be possible right now. And in fact, the companies are not interested right now, but they will get there because someone like a, a Disney or a one of the other providers will start losing users because they have no longer got a strong enough proposition compared to everyone else. And at that point, we'll start seeing bundling again happening. It'll go in big wave, but I'm probably talking about a decade into the future right now. Yeah. And the final bit to this is like every service has got its own watch list. So you can go to Netflix and say, add to your watch list and same with Apple and same with Amazon and same with all these things. And what Plex are saying is, we'll give you a universal one. And if you watch that content for wherever it's been, we'll know you've watched it and we'll take it off your watch list. So if you've watched, um, if you've watched, I don't know, Coda um, on Apple TV Plus, um, then we'll take it off. Or if I don't know how it, they know all that. They like to say they've got proper fingers in pies to be able to do all that stuff. Uh, but the, I mean, the metadata, the metadata scraping that they do around the acquired content I've got from a Blu-ray ripping is fantastic. It just, it just works. Um, and even for the odd little thing that doesn't, it's very easy to fix manually yourself. So you build up a really compelling library of your own content, which is what I've got the NAS for. That's its primary thing. <laughs> Acquired content. Love Acquired it. content. Um, so yeah, actually, really interested. You know, really quite excited to try this because it's um, in paper it sounds great, and in practice it'll be interesting to see. Well, where's the edge cases where ah, it's not great for BBC, or it's not great for, or one of the providers goes, "What's well, great? You're doing this? I'm actually turning that off. We don't want to share that yeah, platform." Actually, we didn't realise that's what you were doing. Yeah, well, thanks, yeah. and goodbye. You know, so great, great when it was just Netflix and Plex. But see when Netflix is just a provider on that list out of 100, that's not where we want to be. Thanks very yep. much. Let's see. It could be an interest. It could be our new starting point for the way into TV. Uh, quick gaming news and then we'll wrap everything up. Um, so hopefully not going to be too much longer. Um, but GTA uh, Plus is the new GTA Online. Um, basically, it's a monthly subscription, though. It's going to cost you $5.99 or it's $5.99 a month. So whatever the equivalent will be. Um, but it gets you various access into their online environment and, and ongoing. And uh, I think they're doing some sort of transition deals where you get certain assets or whatever into their environment. But, but it's still still clearly popular enough but you know that they want to be able to support it but they're going to do it via a subscription ah so <laughs> so I, I i don't know why i just feel rock star of and i don't think that i've dropped the ball because obviously a huge successful firm you know probably one of the best you know i don't know developers that we've had you know from just from a consistency you know if you see a rock star title you know you know guaranteed great but GTA 5 has been around for so long and it just feels like they're, A, they're milking it, B, where, where's, the new, where's the new game? You know, because that's what people are really looking for. But also it feels like everybody's chasing subscription now and it feels Don't... like gaming's going to be like TV we've just discussed where we're going to be saying, right, if I want to play Halo, I'm probably going to have to commit to a subscription I, I read this slightly different and I read it like this. 
it is this game has been hugely popular we've been running all our servers for uh, many many months now uh, for you to play our games we have now reached the mass of users whereby it's no longer so financially sustainable it's not worth us doing this but if you enjoy it which we can clearly see you do you need to support having these servers there now uh, we've run out of our original budget that we assigned to this and it's now up to you to take that on i think that it's such an old game now whether if they bring this out as a monthly subscription immediately for their new titles then i agree with you i, I see that differently but i see this as being a title that's that many years in that someone needs to sustain that and they need to start paying to do that <clears throat> whether that's right or not that's how i that's how i see the situation um, I feel we need a Mars bar bet on that at some point, you know, just just because it's I I noticed when Sony made their Destiny acquisition recently, they kind of turned it into yeah, we want like kind of eight to ten of these, you know, almost like you know games that are forever and they're going to get some subscription dollars off of them. It just feels like there's the gaming market starting to pivot now into Game Pass has been successful and Ubisoft are wanting to do it, Sony are about to do it. I can just see that the Rockstar is sitting there saying, yeah, I'll have some of that. Um, you know, we'll be like a Disney. We won't have as many titles, but we'll have the quality or like an HBO Max. You know, we'll, we'll have that, you know, exclusivity about it. People will want to come to our platform. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if we start to see it with things like Fortnite eventually, where it'll be, you know, get that little bit extra. You know, you know they've, I mean, Fortnite's just been... I, I, Still well, they've got season pass, which is a voluntary subscription, if you like. Exactly. Isn't it? So, so it just feels like that's where we're evolving to. That things like the season passes or battle passes or whatever you want to call it are going to then pivot into actually just just if you want to play this, you're going to have to lose some money. So, you dropped another spoiler there. Sony is <laughs> doing their replacing playstation plus or revamping it with three tiers we've got um sorry plus extra and premium um to and it's going to merge with their playstation now anyway so variously these things unlock various degrees of game so whether it's a couple of monthly downloads discounts uh, cloud access and, and multiplayer access they're then on the next level up, you're going to get things like uh, a, a, a restricted list of online games to play. And then you can get the premium, which is all the games plus a whole ton more. And you can get cloud gaming as well. So really is uh, kind of similar to the um, the Xbox and Xbox Live and and you know all the all the new layers that they have on their on their on their kind of subscription so sony chasing that market um and they've definitely sort of struggled and been on the back foot and this announcement kind of brings them into parity i don't know as a, I, i'm not a sony user so i haven't dug into this too far but how do you feel as a sony user about this subscription i was a little bit surprised because the they've had playstation plus for a while and it, and it was kind of it made sense and that was fine and you know, didn't didn't really have too many objections to it because it reminded me of like the what what was what was what was the subscription service in Xbox before Game Pass? Just Xbox Live, wasn't it? You yeah. just paid for online gaming, so you just paid to Xbox Live. So PlayStation Plus was always there, you know, similar to that, and it threw in a couple of games, you know. So every month, download a couple of games, usually a kind of varying quality, or it's a couple of years old, and boss Walker played it anyway. Um, I think where it where it got a little bit more confusing was the the plus extra. And the games in that actually look decent if you've not got it. So Death Stranding, God of War, Spider-Man, the Miles Morales expansion, um, Mortal Kombat and Returnal. Returnal is a cracking game. So if you've not got those, but I think anybody that's got a PS5 will probably have these already. So I'm like, you know, that, that feels a bit of a step up. So it's double the price and I'm not really sure you're getting the value. But if they start to prove a bit like where Game Pass was, initially Game Pass looked expensive, and then you're like, hold on, if I'm buying a Forza or a Halo or a first party game in here, I just need to buy a couple of those and I'm paid. And and we're getting the value out of it, so it's it, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Sadly, now we pay for those subscriptions <laughs> and then buy things like Season Pass, which cost the same as the game would have done anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the premium one, the challenge I had around that was it's like, oh, you get all those other benefits, but you also get 340 additional games. But these are like PS3, PlayStation, Back PlayStation catalog. 2 yep. games. And yep. I'm like, wow, I'm actually having to spend quite a bit of cash. Now I'm now up at $120 a year. So I get it. They're looking for, you know, sorry, £100 a year. You know, so it's an extra 
And again, it reminds me of like Nintendo did this. So Nintendo were doing this round the back catalogue. Give us an extra 20 quid or 10 quid and we'll let you play SNES classics and we'll let you play these classics. And it's almost a numbers game, isn't it? It makes it sound like there's got loads there. But actually, if what you do really want to play, uh, when you turn on a classic game and realise it was a bit rubbish, um, why would you play that rover other than a new modern title kind of thing? Yeah, but, uh, we got, we got, remember Quake came out when, when Bethesda was born. How did like, that work oh, online? And you fired up Quake and you're like, yeah, I remember why I don't play that now. It was amazing at the time, but it's just, it's empty, flat. And, and now, if you said Unreal Tournament, I would have been there. <laughs> I bet if you went back and played that, you'd still I'm find joking. it empty, flat uh, and uh, rubbish as well. But there you uh, go. So, uh, yep, quickly, E3 has been cancelled. Oh, well. This was a digital version. That was a bit amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't even. <laughs> they cancelled the real one. They cancelled now yeah. the digital one. So they're just not doing anything till next year. But but don't worry, we'll be back next year. And it's like yeah. I don't think you will. I think each company has probably thought we can do this ourselves. We don't need the E three brands. Maybe I still see that it's, it's strong enough. Although they are so? struggling for a bit of identity crisis. Yeah. Because Sony pulled out. Microsoft were really the only ones. And I just look at what Microsoft do throughout the year, and it's like I don't think you really need an E three. Mm. You can you know Nintendo do the Nintendo Directs. I mean, every every five, ten years or so, we get this. You know, they were used E three or these gaming conventions used to be massive, massive deals, and they were ginormous. Then developers hated them because they had to abort actual development work to try and get things ready for these shows, which yep. then meant that they had to push back their releases, which gave them all a bad, uh, bad rap. So then they decided, oh, we won't go and do these gaming conventions and we'll just abort them and they do but then they come back when they realize that they do get a whole ton of footfall they get a whole lot of attention and when they've got stuff to say they 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 have a good audience to say it so i think it's just another five-year cycle maybe and we might be um we might be in that kind of you know mid-cycle that you've got sony microsoft will get two consoles out that you still can't really buy <laughs> and it looks like nintendo any new console would be next year because Breath of the Wild follow-ups into next year. It just feels like they're not going to launch a console this year. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that is the news for today. So if you want to find out more about us, who we are, where we are, digitaloutbox.com, info at digitaloutbox.com if you want to email us. Uh, we're on Twitter as Digital Outbox. I am on Twitter personally as Cheesy UK. And Ian, where do we find everything about you? Um, iandick.com is the best place to find out about me. I might even if it eventually arrives and I set up have a little post about my new Mac Studio that's coming. Ah, very good. Yes, I'd be highly interested to hear how uh, stunning that piece of kit is. Thank you very much everybody for getting this far and that is it. So you've done it. You've made it across the finishing line. We will speak to you again shortly. Goodbye. <laughs>